Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Today on Brand Story, Inc., we welcome Jeff Eisenban, broadcaster for NBA 2K League and MSG Networks. Jeff, thanks for joining us. I'm I'm excited. For those who don't know, Jay, I am one of your former interns, so I'm I'm glad to be on the other side that I might actually have something of use for you right now. Yeah, it's uh, very much so because I think I represent a pretty significant portion of uh, media executives who know just enough about esports and gaming, <laughs> but really don't know much at all. So I get to ask all the <laughs> dumb questions. Uh, but obviously, interesting times. I think uh, we're in the veil of states locking down. Um, I'm here in Illinois. You're in currently in New Jersey, and coronavirus uh, disrupting uh, everyone's lives. And as it relates to content, on a much less serious note, it's uh, interesting times there too. And I'm I'm curious to just get a sense of what you're seeing um, as the days unfold as we tape this. In late March, um, what's going on in the gaming industry, uh, in the esports industry, from your perspective right now? Yeah, well, it's it's an interesting time, whether or not by choice, you know, whether by choice or not, that you're seeing so much emphasis, so much, such a focus right now on the esports and gaming world. And it's funny because right when everything started happening, people started sending me messages and saying, "Isn't this a?" an amazing moment for esports and i kind of said wait hold on one sec you know and i don't know there's a big difference that we can get into with esports and gaming because i said overwatch league call of duty world league uh they just you know pause put themselves on pause they postponed the nba 2k league would eventually postpone which wasn't supposed to start until march 24th but now that's postponed so immediately a lot of the big leagues because they're done in person because many of them were trying to do a lot on the road this year that sort of got shut down but then what you're seeing is an emergence on the actual streaming and gaming side right now which is incredible call of duty happened to come out with their battle royale game Warzone right on march 10th which you know indirectly ended up being the perfect time for that you're seeing a lot of professional sports teams now putting their own players or getting streamers within their communities out there playing their own games you're seeing some teams just literally simulating actual games the wizards and capitals monumental sports and entertainment is literally putting the actual matchups up in video games and just letting them simulate on tv so you're seeing this this crazy form of innovation that wasn't exactly by choice but everyone's adapting to it right now well, you used a couple let's let's start with some basics and and yeah that announcement came out today uh, a uh, from Monumental, which I think is, to your point, a great example of, of innovation going on. But let's start with some of the basics. Definitions, terms, what it means. Yes. Uh, let's start with esports versus gaming. How do you differentiate mm-hmm. the two? Yeah, so I, I consider esports to be the actual organized competitive form of video games as opposed to gaming is more of the industry in itself. You know, if you're talking about the companies from a business side, side the game producers um you know that the sort of the streaming community that's more of the gaming world the esports side is more of the competitive what mirrors a bit of traditional sports in terms of competition 
but isn't isn't the full on because I think people get confused. You know, Ninja is yes. a name that we hear so many times fall under esports, and Ninja himself was a competitive video game player, which would make him fall under esports kind of in a different life. He was actually a Halo player, and he emerged more as a streamer. He was streaming on Twitch, and then that was where he he, he made himself kind of the top streamer, especially with Fortnite. The the sort of Fortnite craze really helped the streaming world and streamers are entertainers streamers are people who might not necessarily be the best at the video game ninja's very good and they're usually very good but they're not out there grinding from a competitive sense they're trying to entertain an audience have fun you know it might be that a new addition has been added to a game and a streamer goes on and for the next 48 to 72 hours they're just playing with that new addition because they know the fans are interested they're trying to have some fun they're entertaining they're engaging with fans and that that streaming category to me you know that's a third word we've now said esports mm-hmm. gaming streaming i think streaming is actually closer to the gaming world than the actual esports world so, that isn't to say that streamers also have their own competitions so i want to go back to esports for a second right so you just the way you described it um mm-hmm. was the competitive nature of it which conjures up images you know people like me who don't know squat about esports <laughs> Right, and I talked to other media execs, and I remember um, one of the execs at Turner Sports like five years ago at the Final Four said, Charmin, you got to be in eSports. Man, these things are filling up the Staples Center. we got 20,000 people. Like there's this, there's this image mm-hmm. of arenas being filled and players being in person and competing. But when those events aren't happening, just clarify for me from an eSports perspective what's going on, other than the championships, but like leading up to Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the day-to-day is much more on the gaming side, people simply watching streaming and mm-hmm. you know watching people play play the video games or just experimenting themselves playing games. You know, I think the video game industry in itself, which was a natural progression over time as you know younger generations played video games and grew up and the, the you know average age of a gamer continues to get older. Um, but then from a the you know there there are definitely lower level competitions like the overwatch league is the top level of overwatch but that doesn't mean that there's overwatch smaller more underground overwatch competitions going on all the time whether those are in person some of them are online you see charity tournaments there's there there is more competition than just the highest level going on at Mm -hmm. a time and those fall under esports if they're you know smaller competitive tournaments that might not be for the same amount of money might not be in front of the same amount of eyeballs but there's still tournaments out there okay so like right now i'm on twitch.tv right Mm -hmm. backslash nba 2k and there are 115 concurrent viewers watching two guys playing the celtics against the raptors right it's got 16 million views um, but 126 are concurrently out. So walk me through, like on Twitch, how does it work right now? And and we'll keep it. We'll use NBA 2K, which is yep. the National Basketball Association. So it's it's actually licensed the actual players and the teams that you'd expect from the NBA for those of you that aren't sports fans. But let's use NBA 2K as an example. Yeah, and so right now what you're actually watching is so for those who don't know, I mean we're taping this on Friday. Um, and be on the actual NBA 2K, not the NBA 2K League. So this is NBA 2K. This is the developer. This is Take-Two Interactive's mm-hmm. game, NBA 2K, their Twitch channel. They're running right now. Ronnie 2K, who uh, was, I guess, originally the community 
um, kind of the community head for NBA 2K, and he's evolved more into, I think he's basically out of promotion, that his his title is bigger than that. He's mm-hmm. basically the guy who's the face of the game, dealing with all the NBA players, dealing with the celebrities, dealing with fans directly on Twitter. He's got over a million followers, I'm pretty sure. And so he's playing against Sheck West, who is a rapper. Mm-hmm. And he's been, since the NBA shut down, Ronnie has been playing against a uh, basically a celebrity every day. So around this time, it's usually late afternoon, early evening, he's teeing up these games that people are tuning in. And now these are not necessarily the two best 2K players in the world. Ronnie's very good, and I'm sure Shaq West plays a lot. But it's the entertainment value of look at these two guys who I know, who I follow, who I'm involved in, and I just want to see them, you know, having fun with competition. And then on top of that, what people don't, necessarily unless you're in the twitch world you don't maybe quite get it the difference between linear tv and twitch is there's the chat feature and other features going up and you know around the broadcast so like jay what you might be watching right now you're seeing the chat people continuously talk and there's people talking about i got ronnie i got checked and things along those lines and they're making friends with each other and gaining followers kind of through the internet just having having a conversation and this is for a lot of people right now who are stuck at home this is social engagement right here and then on top of that you could have polls you could have other features that you can't necessarily have on linear tv that you can have in a twitch broadcast or other you know we could talk about other platforms as well yeah i think it's a good thing you know and you it's 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 you know i think most people would get it you're looking you're looking at uh, two inset boxes of the guys actually playing and communicating with one another you're seeing on a big screen the Celtics playing against the Raptors, being controlled by these guys. And to your point on the right, there's like a, a text thread or a comment thread that's not too dissimilar from seeing Facebook comments where people are engaging and interacting. Um, and I guess maybe let's pull back for a second. And you've created quite a niche for yourself uh, as it relates to NBA 2K. Walk us through your job and what you do for let's assume someone maybe has heard of the NBA, but knows nothing else other than that. Yeah. Like it's, it's a, it's a crazy world that you've become one of not, not, not one of the face of uh, on behalf of NBA 2K. Yeah. Let me paint a little, a little broader picture for you. Um, you know, I, I, so I graduated from Northwestern in 2015 and okay, I cool. went right, <laughs> I went right in to a, uh, to a job working as an editor for a website called thepostgame.com, which was a Yahoo sports site at the time. And I would be going around to a lot of events covering a lot of the, you know, athlete appearances and things in New York city. And people would say to me, you know, you're young, you know, get into esports. People are selling out the garden. People are selling out Staples center. You play video games. You should get into esports. And, you know, I, I looked into things and at the time, really the, a lot of the big esports were games like league of legends or CSGO, which are, um, PC based combat games, which is not by any means what I, you know, I, I have had always played console sports games. So to me, this wasn't, you know, I, I recognized the value of the industry, where it was going, but I didn't necessarily see myself as fitting in that, you know, sort of norm. And on top of that, I don't think people understand, understood that sports fans, traditional sports fans, were not the people who were consuming that. So there was a hope that you could put it on ESPN, that you could put things on traditional 
avenues like that and oh sports fans will just love it but those weren't necessarily the games that sports fans were playing so i kind of had my eye on esports for a while was was following and you know reporting a little bit on on it and then one thing led to another met some people from the nba started hosting content for the nba twitch channel which was basically me playing nba 2k with an nba player or an nba influencer or someone and just asking questions for the chat best job i'll ever have in my life <laughs> easy you know could not have been more fun easy just you know messing around with an you know an nba usually a b-list nba player for two hours um and then when the nba 2k league started so the nba 2k league is a uh, 50% owned by Take-Two Interactive, the producer of the game, uh, the developer, and 50% owned by the NBA itself. And so the same people that were doing the NBA Twitch channel started to do the NBA 2K League. And I said, hey, you know, is there any way I could be a part of this from the coverage standpoint? Um, again, recognizing that here's a game that I actually know, enjoy, have played my whole life, play socially with friends, um, and just fits with everything that I'm doing. And they told me, here, we're going to give you a microphone and put you on the red carpet with a camera. During, you know, you'll be on the, in the backstage carpet after all the players get drafted. It's not going to be live, but ask some questions, figure out what you can find out. And, you know, best stuff we'll put in the stream or we'll put on social. And I start interviewing these guys, and the question, you know, it took a little, there were about, I think there were 102 players drafted that day and probably 75 to 80 in person. So I did a lot of interviews that day. And I started to ask things like, what were you doing before this? And guys were saying, I was a truck driver. I worked in an Amazon plant. I was actually a successful financial advisor and I'm getting paid less to do this. And the stories that I started to uncover, I said to myself, you know, I cover so many professional athletes and it's so hard to get a new story out of anyone or if you're trying to get anything, you got to claw through agents and team executives and, you know, all of that stuff. And here we are in uncovering these never before told stories. We didn't know anything about these guys other than their name basically before. And that was what kind of piqued my interest there. And then over the last two seasons, this would have been the third season would have been starting this week or next week. Um you know, I've been, I was deemed the insider at one point. I've been the social media reporter. I've also filled in as an on-desk host, analyst, uh, color commentary, sideline reporter. So I've done a lot. I've been to Korea for a tournament. I was on desk as the analyst for the, the draft this year. So I've uh, I've been, a, I guess, a jack of all trades for the league so far. So, so paint the picture, um, how many people play in the nba 2k league mm. how many games do they yeah. play what kind of money can you make a living like mm -hmm. paint the big picture of the you started going into the individuals and the the human interest stories which is neat yeah. but give us the overview yeah so and what you're watching you said you were watching the nba 2k channel and we talked about that mm -hmm. ronnie 2k versus Sheck west game they're playing one-on-one -on -one right now which is one of the standard play now forms of nba 2k but the way that the nba 2k league works is actually pro-am which is five on five so i mean literally you have five players versus five players one guy's a point guard one guy's a shooting guard one guy's a small forward and so forth and they're communicating as teammates they're they're trying to you know stick to their spot on the floor to accomplish the task of scoring baskets. So everything is manual in that regard. Every team has six players. One player doesn't for the, for the first two seasons, one player would sit out every game. They'll actually be substitutions for season three. Um, or that's, that's at least what, what they're experimenting with right now. Mm -hmm. And you're, you know, I think that 
is also one thing that has led to esports succeeding a little bit more is that in the last couple of years, esports that are more team based have popped up, which I think as a fan, you just get more excited to root for a team than one individual. You know, I think that's a struggle that tennis and golf has always had. How can you get someone to be just a person fan as opposed to a team fan? Um, so you have in the NBA 2K League right now, this season, th- season three would have been 23 teams. 22 are owned and operated by NBA franchises. So Adam Silver's called the NBA 2K League the fourth NBA league after the NBA, WNBA, G League, and now the NBA 2K League. And so you have 22 teams that are playing in their they, – they train and practice. They train – and live in their home markets and then travel to, for the most part, most of the games have taken place at a studio in New York city. They train to New York to they, 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 excuse me, they take a plane to New York to play, but train in their home city, city, go to community events in their home city, engage with the NBA, WNBA and G league teams. And then uh, the other aspect that, you know, basically I think answers a little bit of your question is the way that the NBA 2K league has approached things is having a regular season along with extra tournaments that I almost would compare it to uh, premier league soccer, that the way you have the FA cup and the, the champions league along with the premier league, that there's some other tournaments to make money, but there is a regular season in the playoffs, which is, you know, mirrors and makes the NBA fan understand what's going on a little bit more than if it was say just a tournament format all the time. How many, so how many games do these guys play? So season two, and I believe season three, it was going to be 16 regular season games. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the the original plan was three other tournaments and then a fourth tournament being the playoffs. Um, so you would have, you know, the average team, what I, I, I would say is playing 25, uh, maybe 20 to 30 games a year. Uh, depending and they're traveling on all over the far. place, just like their NBA counterparts. So, like to your point, whether it's to New York or or yeah. So season two was um, all of the regular season. One of the tournaments in the playoffs was all in New York. We also had one tournament was in Las Vegas and one tournament was in Orlando. Mm-hmm. So if you're the Jazz gaming team, you're basically you're living in Salt Lake City. That's where your team plays and practices. But you're getting on a plane roughly every two weeks to fly to New York to play probably two games um, each time you show up. And and again, you, so you're, you know, that team, this is season three. We haven't seen any competition in Salt Lake City, but that's where that team has practiced out of. And, and I'm getting in the weeds here a little bit, but, you know, five guys on a team or six guys on a team, but then are there there's a ton of fans following their play on Twitch and other places where they're outside of the actual, where they get together and have the competition. How does that work? How does, how do you become a fan? Yeah. So the, the NBA 2K league streamed on, on its own Twitch channel the first two years and YouTube in season two. So right now they have Twitch and YouTube um, channels that, that everything's aired on the teams. A lot of the teams have their own Twitch channels where sometimes they're even airing practices right now. Some of the teams in the preseason before, you know, all, all of this hiatus and stuff had been actually airing their own scrimmages against other teams on. So you, you could basically watch an open scrimmage of two NBA 2K league teams in the preseason. So they're also creating their own content, trying to engage with their local fans and also create fans, obviously, outside mm-hmm. the local markets. Um, it's not like the NBA has, uh, 2K League has explicitly said this, but I think for all esports, there's that 
full of creating a situation where you you're able to have your team maybe three years from now, maybe 10 years from now play in the home market and have a home fan base that shows up for games Mm -hmm. and have a situation where, you know, the wizards district gaming is playing all of their home games at maybe a thousand person facility in Washington, DC. So now I'm going to pull it back, right? So we went in on NBA 2k. There's a lot of different sports games, esports. Uh, models that are kind of similar but different, right? Similar in terms of they may be using a license of in, in the name recognition of, of known brands, but how they compete are different in, in each sport, et cetera, et cetera. But from a big picture perspective, now now think about yourself. You're sitting across from a vice president of marketing as a brand and you're trying to convince them, hey, look, Here's how. Here's why you should get involved, and here's how you get involved. What What are some interesting brand integrations that you're seeing, whether it's with an NBA 2K or esports or gaming in general? Yeah, um, I mean, to I guess use maybe NBA 2K as an example of a non-endemic sponsor. Uh, Bud Light was actually sponsoring a VIP area for the NBA 2K League this year in the New York studio. So we're mm. talking about, you know, Bud Light. What does that maybe have to do with gaming? You know, obviously Bud Light is has its target audience, maybe is trying to get people in their 20s mm. to, you know, recognize the brand. But I think having that, um, you know, it's so simple of just having, that's where, that you know, that that's the VIP access is Bud Light. And it just feels like, you know, I wouldn't say Bud Light is necessarily known as the classiest beer in the world, mm-hmm. but it's got this sort of, oh, yeah, you know, that's uh, that's where the booze is, basically, at mm-hmm. the NBA 2K League. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Louis Vuitton had a had a deal with League, of, with League of Legends, for example, this year, and it's kind of why would you even think about that? Well, there's a lot of people around the world, especially not in the U.S., who are watching League of Legends, and it's, you know, creating that as a luxury brand to go along you know, it's not esports are not people just, um, you know, in front of their computers in their own room. It's a lifestyle. So it's it's a lifestyle, you know, lifestyle brands are getting in in that sort of way. And then you're going to see your classic endemic sponsors. I think HyperX is a name that maybe people outside of esports don't know as well. But if you're in esports, it's almost, you know, they do an amazing job of sponsoring a ton of esports leagues where everyone's wearing their headsets and kind of making that your your feel of oh you really want to be serious about gaming you need our specific headset where uh, can these guys make money make a living doing this yeah so going back on the nba 2k league so we're talking about in season two uh base salaries of 35 to thirty-nine thousand dollars, depending on where you were drafted and then a $1.2 million prize pot that was spread amongst among those tournaments I mentioned. That prize pot is up to $1.4 million Who's in, in the league's in season paying three. Just like the regular league? Uh, well, How the is... leagues are paying. I mean, obviously, this this you know contributing to this are those sponsor dollars that we mm-hmm. talked about. Paner, I, I, as I said, I was just an analyst for the NBA 2K League draft, which was the NBA 2K la- League draft delivered by Panera this year. And we actually had Panera delivered to us on desk and they're planning on doing for, um, I don't know the exact 
terminology, but it's sort of the rookie performance of the week delivered by Panera. So they have attached themselves as being basically the sponsor of rookies in season three of the NBA 2K League. God, I'm starting to sound and feel old. I mean, these guys are making 35 to 40 grand. And, I mean, and, and I didn't mention, by the way, so that's, those are for a six month contract. So you can do whatever the heck right. you want in those other six months. And then, you know, you can look it up for the exact numbers, but the Fortnite World Cup, which was at Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York City last year, uh, we were talking, I can't remember, it was, I think it was around like $2 million, I don't want to botch it, mm-hmm. um, for the winner, which was one individual who was like 16 years old or something like that, Bugga. Um, and they, a lot of people put the numbers in line, you know, it was kind of similar to the Masters or yeah. one of the four majors in tennis. Obviously, you're not... The Fortnite World Cup is once a year. It's not like tennis or golf, which might have, you know, golf has a tournament every week, tennis every roughly every two weeks, uh, but still crazy numbers. That's crazy. All right. So talk about the, you know, we're in this world where right now in the heart of it, like habits are forming, things are changing. It's a moment in time for digital media adoption, right? Like I'd be pretty nervous as a television executive, I think, it, um, for the long tail based on what's going on now. And and esports and gaming in general have been ahead of the curve in terms of innovation, community building, all the true essences of things that brands aspire to have. What are you seeing right now? Who do you see? You mentioned earlier today, the announcement came out that the uh, uh, Zach Leonis and, and Monumental Sports, which is kind of the sports regional for, for DC, is actually airing simulated video games um, on the te- te- on their linear television network. We're seeing, you know, our guys at Levita Baseball, which is a Latino baseball lifestyle company, Ozzy Gian Jr. is playing MLB the show with actual MLB players. NBA guys are doing some stuff. What are you seeing right now that's catching your eye in the larger esports slash gaming space um, that you see to be innovative and some things that are popping up that are catching your eye? I, I think that one of, and kind of sticking with the sports realm, I guess one of the things that's really catching my eye is you need con- this consistency. Um, and sometimes there's a lot of, let's try to, you know, do one big thing that gets a ton of views or a ton of engagement or whatever, or how about, 10 things that we know people will know and kind of cumulatively that those 10 things will actually be more valuable than that one. So I know, you know, I, I haven't, I have a story that hasn't come out yet, but this for the most part is public information that the Phoenix Suns were one of the first teams as the NBA went on high, went on suspension to stream in the slot that they would have played an actual game. Mm-hmm. So they were, they would have played against the Mavericks. And what they did was they, um, they set up a stream against, they had uh, a, actually a former NBA 2K League player who lives in Phoenix. They had him play for them and they had an influencer from the Mavs play for Dallas and they streamed the game and it was this first sort of, here's what we're going to do without sports on right now. And what the Suns have done since is they've continued to stream out the schedule, but what they're doing is they're streaming, starting, they're doing the stream for the hour before their game would have gone on Fox Sports Arizona. Mm-hmm. And they're basically in that sort of way, they can use it with one of their partners as a way to direct people to the 
games that they're airing on Fox Sports Arizona that come from earlier in the year mm-hmm. with the Suns. So it's something that I think you're going to see next year from a lot of NBA, NHL, maybe MLB teams this year. Um, you know, maybe soccer teams will use FIFA. Uh, NFL teams can use Madden. That you can use it as you know, a compliment to what you're doing as a team or, or an organization. And obviously brands have all free reign if they want to play with the teams, you know, before as, as sort of a same day sort of thing and just kind of spurring interest and getting people excited about that particular game. It's, it's an easy marketing tool and, and Twitch is free. You know, you can just, yeah. if you can figure out the technology, which is not a given, I want to make sure people understand it's not like you flip the switch and everything works with no lag. Um, then you can have this, you know, sort of, you can be part of the celebration around that day. You know, Jay, you're big on college football. I know if NCAA football was around and, you know, Saturday morning Mm -hmm. you could wake up and I don't know how much kids want to watch college game day right? with all, you know, but they might want to see, Oh man, Clemson against, you know, Florida state. Let's see where, how this plays out on NCAA football. You know, or or here's a Clemson, the top Clemson student against the top FSU student Mm -hmm. at 11 a.m. before the 1 p.m. game or something like that. You know, this stuff can this stuff can really boom in that way in the sports world. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's it's hard for it's hard for people to get their heads around that aren't experiencing it. Right. Like it's like, how do you explain social media to somebody who's not on social media? Can I can I try to can I try to make the make the explanation here? Yeah. By the way, side note, uh, Fortnite, the pool, um, two hundred and fifty million global players since the game launched, but the pool yeah. for the World Cup was a um, hundred was it oh, was thirty million dollars, thirty yeah. million dollars for the event that you talked about at Arthur Ashe Stadium last year. Yep. Pretty pretty legit. Fifteen billion dollar um, valuation for Epic Games, the creator of Fortnite. Yeah, they've made some money in the last few years, <laughs> and by the way, they're making a lot of money right now. Yeah, you know, just because of the in-app purchases that people are doing. But I want to make just one. This is this is the pitch that I make, or not the pitch, but the explanation explanation that I make to people. So I'm 26. I'll be 27 in May, which now I sound old saying I'll be 27. And, uh, you know, in the, in, in the gaming world, listen, that's not, I'm not young. I'm not as young as I used to be, (laughs) but what I, what I go back to is when I was around 13 years old, 2006, uh, Madden nation was a show that ESPN put on. And what they did was they had this thing called the Madden bus where these guys rode around that some of the top Madden players in the world rode around in sort of an RV and they would play in different cities and basically they'd stop, they'd play a tournament and a guy would get knocked out. And it was like a reality show that, you know, when you lost, you were off the bus and mm-hmm. one guy is going to be left. And I remember being so excited because Madden was the game at the time. And mm-hmm. that was my big game. And I was like, I want to see what the best people are actually like. And I would tune in and now, you know, seeing this from the other side, I totally get it. They had it scripted for 23 minutes of television. And so you would just get like they'd show the last 20 seconds of a game or one interesting play. And it was much more narrative based in that sort of way. But you never actually got to see the guys play because there was no platform for that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, well, I'm not as interested as I thought I was going to be. Now, that, that show came about, you know, just a couple of years before YouTube and Twitch would take off. And I know that when I was 13, what I wanted to see was the best players, the best gamers playing at the top level. 
And now, or not now, I should say, you know, starting, let's say around 2008, 2010, if you wanted to see the best highlights of video games, you just search it on YouTube. If you want to see the best people playing right this second, right now, you just go to Twitch or one of the other streaming platforms. Mm -hmm. And so now that these kids grow up that sort of way, it's just, you know, it's the same way that you want to see the best basketball game, turn on League Pass the best yep. NBA game, you know, that's just how they grow up. So it's an interest. And on top of that, the barrier for entry is so low. You don't have to be seven feet tall. You know, I say right. that I, I see these guys come to the NBA 2K league studio kids and they can relate to the gamer who's playing the game that they already play more so than, right. you know, the six, eight small forward in the NBA. It's fascinating. We're talking with Jeff Eisenman, broadcaster for NBA 2K league and MSG networks. Twitter follow, great one, um, at Jeff Eisenband, E-I-S-E-N-B-A-N-D, as in get on the Eisenband wagon. Um, <laughs> Jeff, you know, I think what's, when you really pull back, and, and again, we'll use NBA 2K since you're an expert on it. When you look at the influencers, right, the, the, the star players um, of the game, and the community element of that, you know, if you look at the collective social media followings of the actual NBA 2K team players and then, mm -hmm. you know, their engagement factor, it's a pretty big number. Um, it's an extremely big number of a highly engaged community, but there is a sense for brands thinking about this, you know, hitting that tripwire of being inauthentic. What advice would you have for, you mentioned a couple of other, like Panera, like people who just like, I mean, I've heard it five years ago. Brands be mm -hmm. like, we got to be in esports. We just, we got to get yeah. in there. But you got to get in there in the right way because it could backfire big time if you don't, um, if you're not authentic to the, the core players and influencers. So what advice would you have for brands who may not be well-versed like me? Um, yeah. or, or, I mean, like you, I should say, I'm, I'm, I'm more like the brands. Let me take one step back. So one thing that you kind of mentioned there was that NBA 2K has grown in the community aspect of it. So the reason, one of the reasons that NBA 2K has been so successful and more successful than even some other sports titles is what 2K did, I believe 2K 17, but maybe it was a little in 2K 16. They introduced something called the neighborhood. Um, and what they created was you could you could basically customize your player, your my player, and engage with other people in a actual fictional virtual sort of just community of a few blocks of an urban setup. Mm -hmm. And you could there's a barber shop, there's a tattoo parlor, there's streetball courts that you can play on. And what it created was it was basically to a much more micro level, what Mark Zuckerberg once saw, that was people like to social network. They mm -hmm. like to create, show off their own profile. You know, look at my guy who I've created with this hair, this jersey, all of that stuff. So that was, I think, one of the things that really helped 2K and kind of is part of the reason why NBA 2K knocked NBA Live out of the market. So Take-Two Interactive knocked EA out of the market because you had to be in on that from more of a cultural lifestyle standpoint than just, oh, I want to play the basketball video game with my friend. So mm -hmm. that's one thing I want to touch on. In terms of the sponsors, you're right. You know, I hear so many times people say, oh, I hear I got to get e into esports. What do I do? Well, first of all, you got to do some research because you got to figure out to where where you want to go with your product and what you want to do with it. You know, like I said, League of Legends, CSGO, Overwatch League, 
these are massive, massive, these, these have massive, massive audiences, but they not, they might not necessarily be the audience for your individual. You know, a lot of these, uh, those, those games that I mentioned, not everyone who watches those games are traditional sports fans. So, you know, I know Nike does have a league of legends sponsorship and I think Nike's on a different level, but if you're say a new balance or sort of maybe not quite on the, on the worldwide level as much from that way, you know, I don't know if you want to get really involved in that. I don't think Powerade is necessarily the best sponsor for some of those games that those fans just aren't used to kind of the sports, you know, don't have sports as a complimentary part of their lifestyle. Now, like Powerade, for example, they might see a FIFA audience that might be a little smaller than a League of Legends audience, but that might be much more of their bread and butter, the traditional person who's watching FIFA, but is also going to go play soccer or other sports outside and might be more inclined, you know, to be interested in Powerade than the bigger audience that just doesn't have that same following. So I think it's important to kind of figure out the demographics of each game, who's watching and what is, as opposed to just pure numbers, because I think there's been too much of a pure excitement and pure numbers from a pure numbers standpoint. And I thought actually listening to you and Joe Favorito, I think it was talk about Joe mentioned UFC mm-hmm. and how, right. That they don't, they wouldn't at the beginning of UFC, they wouldn't go to the same location every time. And I think people say, Oh my God, esports sold out the Staples center or Madison square garden. Well, that doesn't mean they could do it. You know, 82, you know, 40, uh, 41 games a year, like the Knicks can, mm-hmm. even when the Knicks aren't even <laughs> playing at their best, they can sell out Madison square garden. You know, it's not like that. So I think that it's just understanding who am I, who are the, what is the actual situation? Kind of, you have to do your research. You have to get around just kind of the surface level and find out what are the actual numbers? Who are the demographics of people actually watching? And what's my activation like? You know, is it just a a 30 second ad that plays while people are, are, doing something else, you know, while they have Twitch on in the background, or is it a sponsored segment? Like I said, the, you know, the Panera bread rookie of the week. So, you know, it's figuring those things out. Awesome insights there. So final home stretch here. So a couple, two, two final questions. Number one, um, crystal ball in the next 30, 60, 90 days, God knows when, you know, quarantines are going to relent and people will be able to, you know, congregate in person Mm -hmm. again. But, crystal ball on on how you you see things evolving i mean you talked about what's being done right now and some innovation that's been done what's what's possible in the next 90 days i think people first of all have to understand because this isn't going to come up in the next you know 30 days maybe it'll come up in 90 days there is a lot of value in esports to having the in-person experience i think that was sort of how everyone jumped the last few weeks it's like well why are these you know these esports leagues should just keep going yeah well if you're watching two teams play each other from their home facilities with no audience it doesn't have the same sort of feel from a viewing standpoint as if you're watching the two teams play with even just 250 people around them because when we have these NBA 2K league games and you know one team like we had the 76ers and the and the Timberwolves teams played in the finals last year and the 76ers had a bunch of you know people down for, people come up from Philly some fans their staff and on the other side with the T-Wolves they had some family they had people fly out 
And every time someone scored a basket, you know, there's a split second in the game where it takes a second for the guy to inbound the ball and the teams turn around and hyping up the fans and the place is going bonkers. <laughs> and that's something that that's part of people. Why would you watch people play sport, play video games? So why would you watch people play sports? If you're a fan of the team and you enjoy the players and their personalities, which they exhibit through social media or even when they're sitting right there, uh, it's something that you know fans get into. So I think that that the long term product is still a fan is still an there's still an in person element to it, and there and and a local element where people have. I always tell people this: one day you're going to have you're in Chicago, Jay. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some. The United Center right now has the Blackhawks and the um, and the Bulls and what is it? There's the the other. Allstate Arena has mm-hmm. a few teams and such like that. You'll have esports venues that hold maybe 2,000 to 2,500 people that maybe have maybe four esports teams consider their home venue and they just come in and plug in their esport and everyone you know uses that facility and it has all the technology set up. So that's long term. In terms of the short term, like I said, I think that we've now seen a, a situation where a lot of game developers and professional sports teams have innovated from sort of a, a way to use video games and streaming as an accessory to what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, that Call of Duty game I mentioned, Warzone, that happened to come out on March 10th. They've had tournaments that have gone on with celebrities and not all run by Call of Duty. You know, other organizations have run things and it's it's been sort of this spectacle, especially with people home, of ways to have tournaments that aren't necessarily the elite, not necessarily the best players, but we're talking about celebrities that people want to just watch and see what happens when they're in this fictional universe. And then sports teams, I think that they now, there's this big glimpse of people who are just interested. And it's such a simple concept. Like we said, the Wizards and Capitals are just just hitting play. They're just putting the two teams up against each other. And listen, we know Ted Leonsis is all in on betting. I'm sure that's part of what's going through his head when he's doing this. And it's there. There are so many opportunities in the simplest form. It doesn't have. You don't have to get crazy with it. You can just have your teams. You know, have an official. I think you know EMLS is an example where each MLS team has a player that competes in tournaments. But like the New England Revolution in Portland Timbers on Tuesday had those two players play against each other. And you have a player who's attached to your team. I think MLS has done a good job in that. So I think in the next you know, like you said, 30 to 90 days, we'll see a lot of organizations set up a streaming element or or even sort of smaller competitive areas where they can set up a long-term situation where I think when the NBA comes back, the NBA will come back this season. I really do think they'll play a playoffs this season. But after that, in the fall or in the December, whenever the league starts again, don't be surprised if you see teams playing every night against each other in the hour before the game starts as a compliment to what's going on. Mm. All right, last question for you, Jeff, and appreciate your time here. Walk us through kind of your business-to-business daily roundup. Where do you go and where should people go if they're trying to enter this space from an education standpoint? What are the trades? What are the Twitter followers or your sources of content to stay on top of things. I thought you were going to say, uh, you know, what's your day to day like? Where do you work? And I, I joke because someone said 
to me a week ago said, if you're not, if people are working from home, where, what are you going to do? Not going to the office. I said, office, my office is my living room, <laughs> um, in the, in the freelance world. But I mean, I'd say that, you know, I, I use Twitter a lot and Twitter is maybe some people think Twitter is dying, but like it is in sports, in esports, Twitter is big, uh, just because it, it's that opportunity for viral potential and a way for people to, get things out there in the masses. Uh, Twitter does a really good job. I want to shout out Rod Breslow, who's he, he deems himself the top marketing consultant mm-hmm. in esports, and I kind of laugh at it, but he's an awesome follow just if you want to stay up to date on a lot of the esports stuff. Esports Observer, I think, is on top of things from a, from a traditional uh, journalistic level, and I, I love Cheddar Esports as, you know, I don't... Maybe people don't watch the live product, but I've been a big fan of Cheddar, both, you know, also Cheddar proper, Cheddar Big News, Cheddar Esports do a great job just conglomerating an hour of esports news for the day and then popping out, you know, the top stories as social content Mm -hmm. that, you know, if you really just want to digest three and a half minute interview with a top executive from a game or a top executive from a team or a league, they do a great job getting getting those interviews, which is still still a field, you know, esports is still a field that so much has been untapped into and isn't I, people think it's getting saturated, but there are definitely areas of esports that have not gotten saturated yet. Awesome. Well Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time during these crazy times to educate and inform uh, Brand Story Inc. listeners about how to help connect with esports and think about esports uh, as well as gaming and kind of debunk some myths and in 101 everything for us and we look forward to following you uh, as you continue your great social media content around NBA 2K thank you so much thanks for having me good luck with everything obviously Jay you know I'm a big fan thanks Jeff thanks for listening to Brand Story Inc We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.